I love to think about the church. Think about small little rural towns where you go through the little towns and the steeple is the most identifiable thing in the town. Right, the church steeple, uh, where everyone comes together and meets and does their uh, potluck lunches and all the things that go on. Think about uh, the big, huge mega churches that we're aware of around the world that have grown to be tens of thousands of people that come and assemble multiple services, and it's just like a swarm of people, its own city unto itself. There's churches of 50, 60, 70,000 people, bigger than majority of the towns in the world. Think about the underground church that exists all around the world. Every single week while you and I come here, there's a massive, massive underground church with hundreds of millions of people who are going to do the same things you and I are doing, but they've got to do it in such a way as to not get killed and not to get arrested. But they're still showing up. They're still going to to, to do what God has commanded us to do, to come together, to be a part of the family. Think about old nations that are now rebuilding. I think about Cambodia, our missionaries we have there. Phnom Penh, the rice fields surrounding it. You go there, the other side of the world, different language, different custom, different culture, but guess what? When worship and praise starts, you have the same spirit, worshiping the same God. Over in Africa, the poor little townships. We got to go into these little townships near Cape Town. Some of the poorest places on earth. Same spirit, same Jesus, same mission, same church. Here, we get to enjoy life in a leafy city, a quiet little city in Canada that God has put us in. And here we are, part of the worldwide church. The worldwide church. You and I are a part of it. We're not just here tonight doing something because this is what I have penciled onto my schedule to do. No, we're a part of a worldwide phenomenon right now. Do you know that? You right now are taking part in something that is just the greatest thing that will ever exist. The plan that Jesus has to transform the world. And no matter if it's a small town village church, if it's a huge massive church that's like its own city, the same mission, the same gospel, the same Jesus, the same hope, the same love and service to the community and representing the gospel to the best of our ability, this is what you and I are part of. It should excite you to stop and think, boy, this is pretty cool what I'm a part of. This is pretty phenomenal to be a part of the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. How many are thankful that God planted you in a church and God brought you to be a part of his plan and part of his kingdom? Amen? We love these weekends, new member weekends, new members weekends where we get to invite uh, new members who are joining our church. We've got 24 people this weekend who are joining our church and becoming part of the family. Give them a hand. Absolutely. We're going to call you up later. I'm going, to do a, I'm going to speak to you a little bit here first, and then we're going to call you up and pray over you and welcome you, and then the people in the crowd are going to hug on you and high-five you on your uh, way back. I want to talk tonight about what it is we're doing, and just to help reiterate, and again, uh, maybe you know, it's easy to get into a habit and into a routine. It's good for us to remember what we're a part of when we're a part of the Church of Jesus. It's worth all the labor, all the sacrifice, all the blood, sweat, and tears that you put into it because we're serving God and we're doing something far greater than just what's happening here in the natural on earth. Can I get an amen? We are storing up eternal treasures, eternal treasures to see Jesus' plan come to pass. There is something powerful about people like us coming to join forces together to be a part of his mission. I love our own church representation here, how we have people from all over the world. We represent our community quite well here in our church. People from all over the world who've come together and we are now connected as a family living on the same mission that God has for us. 
and the people that we have influence with, the people we serve and get to love and have relationship with in our community may be different in different cultures, different backgrounds, different methods. All of that may be different based on where we're from uh, or what our heritage is, our background, but we now have a spiritual heritage that means we're all functioning with the same principles. We're all functioning with the same heart desire to see people experience the hope of Jesus. It's powerful when you stop and think about the the thing that's happening here is we come and we unite and we join together. Every single one of us has a role to play in this particular part of Christ's body, this particular outpost right here, our church. Every one of us has a role to play in seeing us reach our full potential. We're going to look at some scriptures tonight that make it abundantly clear. Church is not a spectator sport. Can I get an amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is full contact. <clears throat> Come on, full action, full on in. This is not a spectator sport. Being part of, wow, it really is full contact over there. This is not a spectator sport, being part of Jesus' church. Don't turn it into one. Don't let religion creep in and allow you just to show up and watch and say, well, they, were, they did that song two extra times than they did last week. Didn't we sing those exact same three songs already this month? Wow, what's happening? No, 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 don't get into that stuff. Come and be part of the church that God has planted you in and make it the best place imaginable. Come on, church is absolutely phenomenal. I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks from the first missions trip we did. and We got off of, a, I don't even remember what it was. I think it must have been Cape Town perhaps tired and jet-lagged, and what time is it? And you're all flipped upside down, and the very first thing they did was brought us into this little room where they were having church, and when the very first song started being sung, it was just like this wave of the Holy Spirit washed over me. I was like, I feel like I'm at home. Like, uh, it's now hot. You know, we left, it was cold, it's hot, it's a different place. I, you know, like, total, everything's totally different until church started. And then it was like, ah, oh, I recognize this. I'm jet-lagged, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm all sorts of things, but boy, this feels good. I just started weeping, watching people worship and joining in, not knowing the words or how to say the words, but it doesn't matter, singing and rejoicing to the same God. It's amazing to get to be part of the worldwide church, amen? I'm going to take you through a few different elements here that I think are vital to church life. And then we're going to call up whoever's here tonight out of that group of 24 and welcome them and pray over them. Uh, We're going to look at a few elements. The first one we're going to talk about is culture. You know, every place has a culture. Every city has its own culture. Every nation has its own culture, right? Think about even within our nation, the different culture that you see in the different provinces. I love to meet people from different provinces and hear about the, the fishing village culture out east or the logging and all that sort of stuff that happens out west or there's the mountain regions, there's prairies, there's all big cities. There's different cultures everywhere. We're all Canadians, but we all live within a different cultural, uh, you know, a different cultural realm. We were uh, up for a few days up in the Bruce Peninsula last week with our family, doing some uh, different hiking and uh, things along Georgian Bay. We came across a whole piece of land, Cape Croker, I think it's called, and it's native land that's always been native land, it looks like. It's never uh, been changed over, and all the signs are still in native language. Like the stop signs don't say stop anymore. They say something I can't pronounce, all the street signs. And we were going through this, and there's totem poles and all sorts of things, and we were like, wow, this is cool. We're like in a whole different cultural region, just having veered off Highway 6 into this whole, uh, this whole piece of land that sticks out into Georgian Bay. It's cool to see the different culture that is all around us. It's one of the things I love about our church. 
That last family fun night we did was tremendous, seeing all the different groups uh, with their cultural uh, elements and different amazing food, might I add, and all the different dance and dress and all the things that go on. Every place has its own identifiable culture and uniqueness, including the church. Churches are not identical everywhere, even though the foundational truths and principles should be, right? Let's be real. The Word of God, the Bible, that's got to be universal. But beyond that, there's different culture. There's different uh, ways that it works out. Uh, every family has its own culture. Your family's different than the family sitting beside you. You both love Jesus. You're both following the word. You're both raising your kids to love the Lord. But you have a different culture, a different way uh, of, which you, of which you do things. <clears throat> I told you last weekend about the pastors who came and visited here. We had a meeting with our uh, pastor's fellowship a couple weeks ago. And one of them was from British Columbia. He'd never been to Ontario before. Uh, it was the first time in his life he'd been out, uh, out here, out east. And one of the first things he said to me, and it was funny because I remember saying this as one of the first things I said when I moved out west uh, back in the 90s to go to college. 1996, I moved out to Portland. How many of you weren't even born yet in 1996? Anybody here that young? Well, this whole section I figured, yeah, you. Some of you who aren't telling the truth. He said the opposite thing that I said. He said, boy, all your homes around here are brick. First thing I noticed when we were coming to the church, whereas out in B.C., it's all wood. I said, yeah, I remember when I moved to Portland. I thought, wow, everything's all wood. They build everything out of wood out here. We build it all to brick. Right away, he was able to notice a difference in a region in his country that he'd never been to before where right off the hop, just a visible difference, a visible cultural difference uh, compared to where he's from. Every single place has its own identifiable culture. We have the truth of the word of God, the gospel, that is our, uh, our foundation. And then there are some certain cultural elements that God has made us unique with that we celebrate and that we are excited about. And I'm going to share some of those with you. Go to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Acts chapter 2, 41 to 47. <clears throat> Please understand, the cultural differences are good. I find it just, uh, you know, almost stunning now. You know, the older I get, I I can't wrap my head around the concept when I hear people say, boy, oh boy, I heard that such and such a church does things like this, and that church does things like this. And I'm sure there's people in other churches pointing at us and saying, boy, they do things like this. Never mind what God is doing somewhere else. Make your church the best place imaginable. Make your place the best family uh, possible because God is doing something unique in each place. Acts 2.41 it says, those who received the word and were baptized were added to that day 3,000 souls. Okay, we talked about this last weekend. I'm kind of blending uh, this story here from uh, Peter's message. <coughs> it says, now they devoted, say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. And all who believed together had all these things in common. They were all selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as anybody had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Other translations in the original language as well tell us that the Lord was daily adding people to the church. Daily adding people to the church. Now, this passage 
isn't just listing a bunch of things for us to read about and think, oh, that's good to know that that's how their church functioned. This passage is giving us some real good insight into some of the key things that need to exist in church life if we believe God's going to daily add to our church. How many believe that there's enough people in our community where God could be adding daily to our church? Come on, I believe wholeheartedly that day is going to come and we'll even surpass a person a day at some point in our existence. Uh, but there's certain principles and there's certain foundational truths that have to be in place and lived out if we're going to believe God to do his part. Okay, we're going to go through a few of these from this passage. The first one, there was devotion to the apostles' teaching. It doesn't say they took casually the teaching of the word of God. It doesn't say they took casually, uh, you know, taking classes or studying the word. No, they were devoted to it. They wanted it. They, they were hungry for the teaching. They were hungry to learn all that they could learn. It says that they were devoted to fellowship. Fellowship is so key in church life, in a church culture. God has created us to be connected. Yeah. We're going to talk about this more later because it's all through the scriptures and you cannot get away from it. Isolation is not of God. Relational isolation is not of God. Spiritual isolation, there's no such thing. God wants us to be connected. Can I get an amen? Look around the room. These are people God has connected you with. Whether you like it or not, this is what God has decided is good for our church. This is good for living hope. It says, devotion to remembering Christ and to prayer. Never forgetting who it was that set this up in the first place. Jesus sacrificed a lot. So you and I could do what we do. Jesus sacrificed a lot so that we could come here. Jesus sacrificed a lot, and we have to make sure in our easy culture that we don't take it for granted. Right? The underground churches in China and different regions in the world, they're, they're risking themselves, but they understand, hey, Jesus risked a lot more than we're risking. We're going to come and do this. I've told you this story of some friends I know who live here in Hamilton now, but who were from... Uh, Iraq, the Christians in Iraq, and they would talk about how the huge perimeter that was set up around their church where no cars were allowed. You had to park way far away and then walk into the perimeter. They weren't letting a car get near the place because they knew they would, somebody would blow it up. And that was the atmosphere in which they walked into church with their kids every single weekend. Some places they have to risk a lot more than you and I. We have to make sure we don't allow that to get us to be lazy and take for granted all that Jesus has done so that we can come here. Amen. Come on, this is the greatest thing that we get to be a part of. Unity. It tells us that there was unity among them. <coughs> they were living together. They had fellowship together. There's a spirit of unity in here. You see giving and you see tithing that was instituted in the, in the scriptures as well. I love the passage here where it says they sold all their stuff and then they let the leaders of the group, the leaders of the church, decide amongst themselves who needs what. So those who are well off, they don't need as much. These, this family is really hurting. Let's make sure we help them. And they all gave into that because they were understanding. We're a family. We're a team. We're in this together. It does no good for a few of us to hog everything and everybody else to be dying of starvation. We want this church to be successful. Boy, imagine if some modern-day churches tried to implement that. Some of the pushback that they would get from, uh, from some of the members. I'm not helping anybody else out. They should go find their own way. We're here as a family to love and support. You know, I love when, sometimes it's in difficult seasons, I get it, but the heart is still the same, where you see folks in our church who lose a loved one or go through a, a, a big illness, a battle uh, with sickness or whatever, and you hear about all the people in their C groups and in their lives who come and they bring meals for days and for weeks and take care of things and wash clothes and take care of their kids. That is the body of Christ in action. 
I think about Stan and Arlene Farmer's journey last year and all that went on with them and the body of Christ, this church, you guys right here, you were their biggest strength and support. Absolutely helped them through uh, the, the absolutely difficult season they went through. That's, that's what it's all about. That's the church in action, amen? Uh, we see generosity. I just hit on that with them just you know, selling everything and giving and supporting one another. And we see praise, praise and worship. Right back here in Acts 2, verse 47, they were praising God, praising him. There should be an, an atmosphere and an attitude of praise that comes out of us. We should not walk into church sullen and miserable and barely ever getting our hands up and just, you know, I'd rather be anywhere else but here. No, we should be praising the God who rescued and transformed our lives and is using us to do something with eternal significance. Imagine what you'd be doing tonight if you weren't here. Imagine if Jesus never came and intercepted your life. What would your life look like tonight? For some of you, that's a scary thought. What would be happening if it wasn't for Jesus coming along? Now, here at Living Hope, we have our own version of these things, okay? We have preaching that we do here every week. We have our tea track classes that we offer for people to be devoted to the teaching of Scripture. We have small groups, C groups, where we are into the Word, learning the Word, uh, obeying the Word of God together. When it comes to devotion to fellowship, again, our, our small groups, our connect groups, our A-teams, all the relational opportunities. I love hearing the stories of people who develop great friends because they're serving together on the same teams. You're passionate about what you're doing, and that becomes the basis and the foundation for a great new friendship. That's how it should be. That's absolutely how it should be. A devotion to remembering Christ in prayer. We offer communion here several times a year in our services. We have corporate prayer meetings, corporate prayer times. We encourage and teach constantly on personal prayer, personal relationship, and a devotion to Jesus. And we see both of those in Acts, by the way, the personal side and coming together to pray and to worship. No matter what you read on the internet these days, doing this, what you're doing right here, is absolutely biblical. People might say, I don't need to attend a church. I can just watch from home. No, no, no. We're supposed to be connected and do all the one another's together. Remember, beautifying the bride, the message series we started the year with. You cannot do any of that unless you're part of the bride of Christ right here. You can't look in the mirror at home and do all that stuff to yourself. It's meant to be done here with other people. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Boy, I'm sliding my notes all over the place here as I'm going. Unity. We believe strongly in unity here. Our ministry departments, our staff, our C group leaders, all the volunteers, we love the fact that we're unified as a family and a team all doing the same thing. You will not find an attitude here within our church of this click over here is better than those people and this group here is, a, is a, they're more important than somebody else. No, 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 no. Every single part of this body is equally important. God designed it that way. God brought every single one of us here. Amen? Of course, giving and tithing. We teach that. We believe that. Oh, it may not be the most favorite top for any of us in the world, but it's in the Bible, so we're going to do what it says in the Scriptures. Amen? Generosity. I love the fact that we're generous with our time. We're generous with our money. We're generous in our community. Generous through your C groups and your neighborhoods and with your relationships. Generosity should absolutely always be a hallmark of Christian life. Think about the things we've shared with you in recent months, how we were able to pay for a kid's wing in Cambodia and the things we've done over in uh, Cape Town with those guys and Nathan and Kristen. Think about all the different ways that we're able to be generous. Now here we are building our own new campus here, another opportunity to be generous. I love being part of a generous church. Amen? <clears throat> and of course, I love this one, praise. Praise and worship. Our church was founded 
on praise and worship. It was one of the original things that took place at the beginning of this church. It was one of the original things that was uh, added into our, uh, into our church DNA, into our church culture, even before my parents were pastors. Going right back to the beginning, the people who helped get this church going were part of a huge move of God out in central Canada in the 40s where praise and worship, like we experienced tonight, came back into the church. Those of you who took that church life class, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where we give a lesson on this. Praise and worship will always be something we do in this church. Now, it's not meant to cast a critical eye if you ever visit another church where they don't. They praise and worship differently, or it might seem more solemn or more hymns. Hey, that's fine. God's doing what God's doing there. And if he ever wants to change that, he'll have to speak to the leaders and do what he needs to do. Here, God made it very clear for decades, this is going to be a house of praise and worship. Feet off the floor, hands in the air, dancing. You know, the old Pentecostal two-step from back in the day. (laughs) Praise and worship. That's how we all danced way back when. Now it's just like kind of a big jump, it seems, right? Until some of our rhythmic African friends come in here and show us all up with all their great rhythm and all their moves. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. There's been the odd time over the years where we've had Christians criticize us for some of these things. And my response is always like, hey, I didn't write the Bible. You know, I mean, you're criticizing me, but really you're criticizing him. Take it up with him. We didn't write it, but boy, we're going to do our darn best to follow what the Lord has taught us in scriptures. Amen? I believe that God will add to churches when they're faithfully living in unity and following these teachings. There's a reason why it says he added daily to this church. He established some of the hallmark foundational things, and they lived them out together, and God said, I'm going to keep adding. I'm going to keep adding people into this community. I'm going to keep adding people into this body and into this family. Amen? We've got to have an attitude of devotion. I love that the word devotion is used several times in here. Let's be devoted to the things of God. Let's be devoted to the things that we're involved in right here. Let's be devoted together as a, as a team, as a family, as a body. Let's be devoted to what God wants to do in us and through us. Let's not just treat it like it's something else to do on our calendar. Let's be devoted in Scripture. Let's be devoted in relationship, devoted in prayer, devoted in fasting, devoted in all the things that God has called us to do here, sharing our faith, praying, loving our community, because God will add people as he sees fit when he sees us being devoted to him. Often Christians try to do the thing that we can't do. I need to figure out a way to reach everybody. And this Scripture gives us an insight on how that happens. Be devoted to him. He will bring people. Be devoted to following him. He knows exactly who they are, where they are, where their heart's at, and he will absolutely bring the people that he has destined to be part of this family. Amen? I really believe that humility and unity go hand in hand. Let me say that again. Humility and unity go hand in hand. You cannot have a place of unity if there's not humility. Because our natural human nature and human flesh, that's not very humble, and it does not usually uh, tend towards unity. We tend towards self, and it's all about me, and whatever's best for me, never mind anybody else. Humility and unity are so key. Write it down if that's, if that's not in your notes. Humility, and u- uh, humility will lead to unity, and it's got to be both with each other here and also in our relationships with God. We want to be humble in our relationships together here. We want to be humble in our relationships uh, with the Lord. Remember our series on the Beatitudes. 
I love that common theme of humility that kept coming through in the Beatitudes. I, I still have read through it a million times, and I've read it through since. I still don't see anywhere in there where the know-it-alls and the arguers and the divisive ones, there are going to be blessed and inherit the kingdom of God. I don't see that anywhere in there, and I don't see that modeled by Jesus. I don't see that anywhere else in Scripture either. Humility and unity have to be things we strive for. We have to protect the unity here. We, we all do, literally. We have a responsibility, all of us, to protect the unity in this congregation, the unity uh, here in this church. God promises to bless those who are humble. God promises to bring his blessing where there's unity. What does it say he's going to, what does he promise when there's pride? He promises to oppose us. The complete opposite of blessing is God himself saying, I am opposing you now. The enemy would love nothing more than to get anywhere into a church any chance he gets and start to cause division, cause disunity, cause eh, quarrels, grumbles, anything, wrong attitudes, wrong thoughts. You and I, we need to absolutely fiercely protect one another. Protect one another the way you protect your own family. Protect this place the way you protect your own spouse or your own kids. Right? Somebody was coming at your kids. Boy, oh boy, you would get in there. You'd be protecting them. You'd have to probably restrain yourself to not go a bit too hard on that. Have the same attitude of devotion when it comes to protecting this body that Christ has put us a part of. The enemy has no place. Let's not give him an open door. Let's not let him crack a door open and start bringing disunity and thereby inviting the opposition of God on us. Instead, I want to be part of a church where God's blessing is being poured out. God's blessing and God's hand is upon us. Amen? Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Say good. Say pleasant. Say unity. Come on, let's be a church that is unified for the call that God has for us. One of the great things I love about these values that we've been looking at Some of them you might think, oh, that's not how I would have written the Bible. But once you start living them, you realize how great they are. You realize how great it is to put others first. You realize how great it is to be unified. You realize how great it is to give. You realize how great it is to serve. You realize how great it is to do all these things, to worship, to be free, to love Jesus, to learn the word. It transforms your life when we follow the teaching of Scripture. All the things that we're looking at here, they change us. A few of the cultural strengths here in Living Hope <coughs> that we now, many of you say this when you come. We ask people all the time, what do you like about Living Hope? Right? When somebody's coming, when someone's joining, what brought you here? What do you like about this place? These answers come back consistently. And I want you to understand something. Our church was not always like this, the things I'm about to, uh, the things I'm about to share. Well, most of them, we weren't always like this. It took some intentional work. You go back to 1985 when my parents became pastors, and they said, we want to get a few key things instituted here in the life of this church. And now they are. Now when people come, they rattle off those as the reasons that they love it and the reasons that they come. The first one, we're a church that extends invitations, personally inviting people into our lives, into our homes, relationships, into our small groups, our barbecues, church events, whatever it may be. We've developed a culture of invitation. You know, there are some churches that don't have that culture. The invitations in some churches come from a central office where they make phone calls all week long and they try to invite people. Other churches have different strategies of mailers or whatever it might be. Here, we've got a personal invitation culture. Those of you who are joining and becoming members now, welcome. You have just signed up to become a personal inviter. You are now going to be inviting people into your life, inviting people to events, inviting people to your small group, being someone who loves to connect with people. 
Remember, don't make it about the end goal. Well, I'm only going to invite that person because I think they might be ready to get saved. No, 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 no. Invite people into your life to have relationship with them and extend the love of Jesus to them. And be a great neighbor and be a great friend. Let God take care of that other end of things. I understand that's a passion in your heart. It's a passion in all of our hearts. But people will see through that a mile away if the only reason you love them is because you're hoping they're going to do something. Love people because God says love other people. They're going to know you're my followers because of your love. The second thing here, letter B, we're friendly. We're a friendly church. Look around and smile at somebody right now. We are a friendly church. Boy, some of you have to work at smiling. Come on. Give your neighbor a high five, will you? High fives all around. All right, that worked. You know, we always weren't a friendly church. My parents have told me stories about way back when, when they were young and, and uh, younger, sorry, and, uh, and new at this. <laughs> Whoops, that slipped. They said people could come and visit for a service, and like, I mean, nobody would even look at them, let alone say hi. They intentionally worked to make this a friendly place. And now when you all come, say, boy, the church is so friendly. Because it's a cultural thing we believe in, it's a biblical thing we believe in, and it is now part of who we are. So those of you who are joining and becoming members, welcome. You are now part of the friendly brigade. <laughs> Loving, hugging, smiling, greeting people. Uh, I just mentioned this worship. This goes back even before. This goes back to our founding, uh, our foundation uh, here in our church. But man, praise and worship. And I know I said this, I think I said it Wednesday at our team night. I still believe there's much more to come in the area of praise and worship in our church. I think there's another anointing, there's another level, there's going to be songs, and there's going to be Holy Spirit activity that comes out of this place that goes around the world. And please hear my heart on this. It's not because we need to be famous. No, it's because God's going to do something that Christians need to hear around the world. I could care less whoever becomes famous or who doesn't become famous, but I believe there's an anointing on this place for worship. There's an anointing on this place to worship God and to break through in worship. Too much focus today in Christian culture is about the show and the style and how cool it is. God wants to do something where there is a worship sound and a worship spirit that rises up out of some place, and I'm hoping it's here, where the Holy Spirit flattens people in their living rooms. The Holy Spirit absolutely nails people on the other side of the world when they hear it, and they don't even get to see what's happening or whether the show is any good, but the Holy Spirit is what's coming through. This is what God wants to do. Have a big vision for what God's doing. Come on, how cool is it going to be? As we keep doing our part, God will do his. Amen? Letter D, prayer is one of the cultural strengths here in our church. We are a church that believes in prayer. I love the turnouts we get for our breakthrough prayer nights and now our monthly prayer nights. Prayer is just you get the mind of God, you get the spirit of God, prayer changes things. You believe that? Prayer absolutely changes things in the spirit. We will always be a praying church. I believe a church that stops praying is in big trouble. An individual Christian that stops praying is in big trouble. Man, prayer is our language, our communication with the Lord. Prayer changes us, it changes things around us, it changes circumstances. Come on, there's power in prayer, amen? And the fifth one here that I wanted to highlight is that we're word-based. We're Bible-based. You know, the Bible, look at the Bible as our safety harness as a church. Anytime there might be a, a, an idea to go this way or to go this way or to go that way, no, 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 what does the Word of God say? And what has God called us to do as a church? The Word of God is going to be our safety harness. 
Well, I don't really feel like raising my hands. Well, sadly, 1 Timothy 2.8 says, In the place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted to God free from anger. See, often we have conversations like this, right? Cell leaders do, pastors do, where people come and say, I don't really believe in that. We crack open the word and show the scripture. Once the scripture has been laid out, you can choose to ignore it, of course, but just we want to make sure you understand why we do what we do. We didn't decide one day it was cool for us to all do this or do this. (laughs) It's in the word. It's in the word. That's what we're going to do. Money is always a big one, right? Malachi 3, 8 to 10. Should people cheat God? You've already cheated me. What do you mean? When did we cheat you? You've cheated me of tithes and offerings. You'll be under a curse now, and your whole nation has been cheating me. But instead, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do this, listen to this. This is what the Lord says. If you will bring all the tithes into the storehouse, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour a blessing so great, you will not have room to take it all in. And if you don't believe him, remember the story we looked at last week when he said, hey, why don't you guys cast your nets on the other side of the boat? And so much came, they couldn't even bring it all in. This is the God that we serve. So, yeah, sometimes we'll have conversations where someone says, I don't believe in having a tithe. Well, I didn't write the Bible. This is what it says. How about this? Because uh, this one is becoming more and more common in our culture. Young people have to guard against this, but let's be real. Every human on earth has to guard against this. But we live in such an independent-minded culture. The idea of respecting or responding to authorities, whether it be governing authorities, spiritual authorities, natural authorities, the enemy has that as one of his targets right now to cause division and chaos uh, in people's lives. Because when you live your life unprotected, when you live your life out on your own, the enemy has a heyday. When you get isolated from safety and from protection. Acts 20, 28 says, Be careful, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Okay, he's talking to church leaders now. To care for the church of God, which he paid for with his own blood. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders, for they're keeping a watch over you as ones who will have to give an account. Let them do it with joy and not with groaning, because that would not be of any advantage to you. Remember, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, my life is where it is today. Of course, God gets the glory. All day long, I understand that. And I'll always give him the glory. Very close to him. And I think the two go hand in hand. The scriptures make this clear. You cannot have a good relationship submitted to God if you're not submitted to leadership and authority. I am where I am today because my life has been submitted to godly authority. If it wasn't for the church authorities in my life, I would have married the wrong person. I would have went to the wrong college. I would probably be in the wrong church. My family probably wouldn't exist. My life would look totally different had I not decided years ago, I'm going to submit my life to godly authorities. I've told people this story, and some people think I'm nuts. And I think that says more about you than me. (laughs) When I was first noticing this young lady... I felt, you know, we started to like each other, and we were dating, and then we thought, okay, maybe, like, this is heading to marriage. And I said to her, okay, I think God's made it clear to me that there's going to be three people in my life that I have to have blessing and approval from before I will proceed with uh, any relationship. Each of, our, each of our parents, okay, and also, at the time, uh, her brother-in-law, uh, Stephen, who is still here, part of our family, but he was a spiritual authority in my life. He was one of the pastors in our church. Uh, he was involved as a spiritual authority. And I, and I felt the Lord say, unless all three give the green light, you just take a break, take a step back, and don't proceed. 
I've told some people this story, and people, I mean, some people get it, and they're like, yeah, submitted, submitted to authority, of course, that's how you live, that's scriptural, biblical, all day long. Some people say, really? What if the two parents were fine, but the other third guy wasn't? Then what would you have done? I said, it was, we already made up our minds, all three. God's a big enough God that he will tell all three of these people it's go time or it's not go time. Don't minimize what God can do in your life by being independent and stepping out and thinking you know better. No, 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 you don't. Where would I be today if I had not submitted my life to godly authorities? Had I not submitted decisions in my life to godly authorities? And when I say submitted, I don't mean, hey, I want to have a meeting with you to tell you what I've already decided without your input. No, I mean, help me. Help me make a good decision. Help me stay on track. Help me make a wise decision. Because God's put you in the position he's put you in to help me succeed. To this very day, I'm still submitted to godly authorities. I believe we all need to be for the rest of our lives. And if you ever encounter a godly authority that's messing around, well, these scriptures make it clear. They're going to have to give an account to God one day. That's scary stuff. Our guarantee and our promise to you as a church, those who are joining us, is we will, boy, oh, boy, we will do our best to create an environment and an atmosphere here where you can grow in your walk with God. We will help you. We will encourage you. Decisions we make here are always what's best for the church and what's best for the plan of God. Period. End of story. All day long. You have our assurance. No, not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We may make mistakes or rub you the wrong way, perhaps. But I assure you, the heart of the church is what's going to be number one. What's best for this body of believers will always be number one. What does God want us to do will always be what's number one. There's something powerful about learning to live our lives uh, in submission and learning, learning to live our lives humbly. Amen? I find often the voice of the Holy Spirit speaks to me through spiritually mature leaders, and it makes sense. They've been around longer. They've experienced more. They're more seasoned in the Word. Right? The old saying goes that the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds eerily similar to your wife, and I do think there is truth to that without a doubt. But the voice of the Holy Spirit is also eerily similar to your spiritual authorities that God has put in your life. God knew what he was doing when he planted you where he planted you. Can I get an amen? The final thing here in this section I want to mention, and I'm going to have to skip some stuff due to time. We are a family-oriented church. We believe in family. Come on, we believe in your kids. We believe in your grandkids, your great-grandkids, all the generations that haven't even arrived yet. We believe that God has a plan and a destiny for your family. We do not believe churches should grow and everybody gets old together and then they all pass away and the church closes. That is not how we believe the church should look. We believe the next generation should launch into greater things than the previous generations ever experienced with an anointing and a power that gets passed down from generation to generation. This is what God's doing here. I love seeing it happen already, and I'm believing for more of it in the days ahead. Amen? Real quickly, the second thing we have to understand, we are part of a team. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're on the same team. We were created to be connected. Okay, we were created to be connected. I was reading through a commentary on this earlier this week, and it says the connection that we talk about when we're laborers, the scriptures that talk about us being laborers, we won't read it right now, but 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9, you have it in your notes there. The idea of cooperation there isn't just a partnership between two, but it's a partnership of three, you, me, and the Lord. We are partnered together here with our you know, human brothers and sisters, but with the Lord all the time. Our partnership is together, and our partnership is with him. We're part of a team. I want to encourage you in this. Be a builder. Be a builder on God's team. Turn to your neighbor and say, be a builder. Be a builder. 
God has brought you here not only to learn and to grow and develop, but also to be a builder in his kingdom. He's called every single one of us as believers to be builders. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. I love this verse. Absolutely love it. It says, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building the body of Christ. More proof, if you needed it, that church is not a spectator sport. Our commitment to you is that we will invest, we will teach, we will train, we will pray, we will love, we will support, we will will strengthen, we will do whatever we can do to help you be equipped for the work of ministry God has put in your hands to do. Because nobody's called to be a spectator, but God's called us to minister and to be builders in his kingdom. Remember, at the end of the day, this is not about any one of us individuals being famous, it's about him being made famous. His name being famous in our community. Amen? You know, I think being the team analogy I love. Everybody loves to win. Am I right? Everybody loves to be a part of a winning team. These days in kids' sports, how they try to take, like, winning and losing out of it, right? They hand out, like, 8 million trophies at the end of the year for every single kid who showed up. And here's a trophy for the kid who picked the most grass in center field. All right. Good job, buddy. <laughs> Everybody gets a trophy. But have you ever paid attention? If your kids are in these leagues... They know the score of every single game. They know who won every single game. They're not, the kids aren't buying it. The kids aren't saying, well, we all won. No, no, no. Oh, we lost today. That stunk. Or we won. They know because God's created us to want to be winners, to be connected with his body and to be winning for him and building for him. This is what we're part of here, building the body of Christ. You can't do anything that's more exciting than that. You cannot do anything that has a greater win to it than being part of the body of Christ. Amen. I love this quote in sports. You hear it all the time. It's not about the individual's name on the back of the jersey. It's about the team name on the front. Come on. This is all about what God is doing through us in living hope, not about our own individual names. Can I get an amen? The final thing we look at is how we are part of a body. Again, for time's sake, I won't read it all, but 1 Corinthians 12 12 to 21, it talks all about how we have feet and we have a hand and the the hand isn't more important than the foot. And nobody would say, I don't need that part of my body. We need all the parts of our body. I think you would agree with me. All the parts of your human body are pretty darn important. You wouldn't just happily get rid of some because you don't think they're important. In the body of Christ, every single part is important. Every single skill is important. Every single person and individual is important. Again, remember, back to unity and back to harmony. We're all part of the same body functioning together. We're all part of the same body now, making the body healthy. Those of you who are joining us now in our church, our body is a little more healthy because you're here. Come on, we are. We're a little more stronger. We're able to do a little bit more. We're able to lift a bit more. We're able to run a bit faster. We're able to build a bit more for Jesus because you're here and you're now part of the body. Come on, this is how it works. When we talk about making the bride beautiful, making the church beautiful, remember it's all about Jesus. Let's be devoted to his bride. Let's be devoted to his church. Church is the greatest thing ever, and you and I get to be a part of it. And he chose to plant you here in this one, in Quiet, leafy Hamilton, Ontario. Some are in the underground church. Some are in Phnom Penh. Some are over in uh, Syrian refugee camps. Some are in big, huge megachurches. Some are small little towns with little steeples as you pass through. God has chosen to plant you and I here. Let's be the best body we can be. Let's be the best team we can be. 
Let's be as devoted as we possibly can be. Let's be as humble as we can be. Let's love and serve and support one another the best that we can be. Let's live our lives with the devotion, understanding that, Jesus, this is all about your name and about you being made famous. I am going to be devoted to that cause. There's nothing greater than being devoted to the cause of seeing the church of Jesus Christ flourish and have impact and expand and touch lives and touch families all through our communities, all through our city. And we're believing God in more cities in the days ahead. And I believe, by the way, just as a side note, be someone who prays for churches. I follow all, you know, not all, but a lot of our churches here on Facebook and Instagram, and I see what they're doing, and I pray for our churches in our city regularly. I would love nothing more than a massive move of God to sweep across every single church in this city. Because that would mean there's more people hearing the good news. More people being served, more people being loved, more people being invited, more people's lives being changed because it's all about him being made famous, not our names on the, fr- on the front, on the back. Amen? I'd like to do this. We're going to put the names up here, uh, those who are joining us this weekend. If, you're, uh, if you see your name and you're here tonight, we want to call you to come on up and you're going to stand across the front here. We're going to do this at every service and we'll end up going through all 24 names uh, as well. I'll invite... My dad to join us as well. Why don't we go and get those names up, church, as these folks are coming on up. Let's welcome them. Come on, welcome them on up tonight. Yeah, come on up. Yeah, stand right across the front. Well, don't be shy. Slide down into the middle. Come on over. Good-looking group. Awesome. I hardly know you guys. Good to see you all. How about turn around this way? I'd rather talk to your face than to your head. Back to your head. Listen, that was an excellent, excellent message tonight. Really, really good Bible-based, solid, biblical message uh, tonight. And I just want to add a couple of thoughts to it. You know, um, when I became a Christian and came to church and started to find out really understanding what church was about and what it meant to be a Christian and walking with God and what it was I was getting involved in, um, it began to change my life. So it wasn't just receiving the Lord that changed my life. <clears throat> when I began to realize I was part of God's plan, changed my life. See, when, when, remember Jesus went to, you've heard this story, he went, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's going to, he's preparing, he's praying to the Lord, and he's getting ready to go to the, the, uh, the cross. And he, and he prayed, and he said to the Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Now, even though what he was going to be doing was giving his life, it was going to be very difficult, he knew that there was a plan that God had prepared from the beginning of time, and he was opening the door to the fulfillment of that plan. So he knew that he was serving something bigger than just himself. He was serving the plan of God as Father, so he went to the cross. Now, Jason mentioned it earlier tonight in the book of Acts. It said the Lord added to the church. I thought when I started coming to church that I chose the church to go to. But I didn't. God chose me to go to that church. You see, when I became a Christian, I thought, oh, I've got a desire now to walk with God and become a Christian. But, you know, the Bible says that God put that desire in my heart. I became a Christian because God wanted me to become a Christian. And I responded to what he, what he was doing. He Then he adds you to the church because 
there's a plan. Jesus started it. The church is the fulfillment of that plan. So the church didn't exist. You know, when he mentioned that scripture in, in Acts, that was the beginning, the formation of the church on the earth. The church did not exist prior to that. And, and these people are getting added to the church in order to fulfill the plan that Jesus began. So Jesus went to the cross, opened the door to that plan. The apostles and early Christians carried on that plan. And now you and I, we carry it on from the apostles and the early Christians. We carry on the plan that Jesus went to the, to the cross for. And then it says in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that God has given you gifts in order to help you facilitate carrying out that plan. And it's awesome. It is all, so all of a sudden, your life goes from, I wonder why I'm here, to, to, to all of a sudden, you are part of the divine plan of God that was put in place thousands of years ago, and now we're carrying it out today, the divine plan of God. And all of a sudden, your life takes on greater significance and importance because you're part of that plan, the eternal plan and purpose of God. It's an awesome, exciting thing to be part of. And we're delighted to have you guys part of our church. Delighted to have you. See, they're happy.